1: G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today, we are catching up with Mike Moore, Managing Director of Golden State Mining. As its name suggests, Golden State is focused on WA, or as people from WA keep telling me, the biggest and the best the Golden West. Now, Golden State is listed under the code GSM, or Golf Sierra Mike, and is trading at around 8 cents doesn't have many shares on issue, so its market cap is very modest. The upside to that, of course, is that Golden State is highly leveraged to exploration success at any one of its key focus areas, which include Kew in the Murchison, Yule in the Pilbara, and Four Mile Well near Laverton in the eastern goldfields. With that, I'm going to welcome Michael to the podcast. G'day, Michael. G'day, Barry. I've just changed from Michael to Mike there. Obviously, you prefer, <laughs> you prefer Mike, do you? Mike's perfect. G'day, good day, to, Barry. Good to be with you today. Now, Mike, your CV tells us that you're a mining engineer from the revered Camborne School of Mines in the UK. I was hoping you could uh, fill us in on how you ended up there and what was your experience there? Interesting story, Barry.
0: Thanks for picking up on that particular element of my CV. Um, I'm actually uh, third generation at the Camborne School of Mines. Uh, My father, grandfather and great uncle attended the Camborne School of Mines and mining and quarrying has been in my family since about the 1860s. So I guess being born on a copper mine in Cyprus, uh, where my father was the ultimately the manager there, meant that it was kind of sort of predetermined that I would end up in a, in a mining discipline. When you grow up around a, an exciting you know, copper mine with all the equipment and blasting and and activities. It's uh, something that uh, is quite inspiring. So, I think probably from my earliest opportunity to have a, a cognitive thought, I, I think I knew that that was uh, that was the career for me certainly. And you know, being uh, based in the UK uh, in my later life in my late teens. Camborne was was the obvious destination for me having had the family connection and being so close to uh, the the mining history in that particular region the the copper mines the tin mines whilst I was there I was lucky enough that there was still one operating tin mine left working so my first underground experience was as a trammer on a, on a one ton loco underground there at the Cornish tin mine called South Crofty so Camborne was a great a great place to to be educated but of course you know the mining industry is is fairly dead or was at that particular time in the UK when I graduated and I was lucky enough to have picked up some vac work vacation work with Rio Tinto at uh, at Tom Price which was uh, which was quite an interesting experience and so that's uh, you know, alerted me to the uh, wonderful opportunities here in Australia. And back in those days, you could open up the West Australian and there were pages and pages of, of mining adverts, job adverts, which was just fantastic. And so when I graduated in 1999, I uh, grabbed a working holiday visa, came out as a backpacker with a 12-month visa and, fingers crossed, hoped to hope to secure some sort of permanent job, and that's ultimately what happened.
1: Right. Uh, just reflecting back on your time at uh, Camborne and in- Obviously, your grandfather and father having that history in the mining space, I was just wondering what would you consider to be you know the one lasting learning or piece of advice that has stayed with you uh, throughout your career.
0: Well, it was interesting because my when my father was on a, the copper mine in Cyprus, uh, a radio station, I think it was the uh, BBC World Service came and they did an interview and. They said to him, you know, Steve, here we are standing at the bottom of this enormous pit. And at the top, it's sort of a mile and a half wide. And at the bottom here, it's only about 150 yards across. You know, what happens when you get to the point? He said, we put our clothes in our bag and we go home. <laughs> and, and, ultimate, and ultimately, that, that, that's mining. Um, it's not, um, you know, it, it's, we, can, we can operate sustainably, but a mine in itself is a finite resource. And so ultimately, um, you know, you have to you have to close up shop and and, and do it in a, you know, in a responsible and a sustainable way. So I, the one thing about going to Campbell was was appreciating that and and the vast array of of opportunities that you had globally, literally. Um, and also, <laughs> studying at Camborne was quite interesting because it was it was a fairly sort of remote part of, of the UK, and the school itself wasn't in a large sort of cosmopolitan town, and so there weren't a lot of resources for us as students. So it was it was literally about you know sport and outdoor activities, um, and and making your own uh, making your own fun. And to be honest, that's great preparation for, you know, being in, in remote and being based on remote mining operations, because ultimately, you know, as we see here in Western Australia, uh, it's um, you know, it's, a, it's a FIFO regime. And it's all about that. You know, a key thing is about that sort of culture that you can generate on the mine site. And and I was lucky enough to get a sort of a bit of early exposure to that during my time uh, studying at Camborne.
1: Mm. So you're obviously a full-time resident of Perth
0: nowadays? I am uh, twenty years coming up this uh, this December, and three children, and married, and uh, you know it's a it's a wonderful it's a great city uh, to 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 be to be entrepreneurial in in a mining sense. Uh, There's so many opportunities, and West Australia as a state um, offers great safe opportunities for, for, for those of us that, that, that like the risky side of things, that are, that are interested in exploration and, uh,
1: you know, hopefully finding the next great thing. Mm. Yeah, which probably goes through the next question I'd like to uh, ask is when you're uh, running a junior exploration company and obviously you've been through the IPO process, I was just wondering what what do you look for uh, in projects to introduce into a company, particularly at the junior End of the market. What's the uh, selection process? Well, for us,
0: there were some key criteria, and 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 they had to be ideally West Australian projects because, you know, as a junior company, you have limited resources. Uh, at an IPO such as ours, you might raise between sort of four and a half, five and a half, six million. And it's how we can be most effective with that small amount of treasury. And if it's a local project, it's very easy for us to, to operate and understand that. And we can do it very, very efficiently. So the key thing for us as a junior was to be considered a very low risk uh, investment proposition, albeit in a sort of reasonably high risk realm of the mining sector, that being the junior explorer. So local and domestic projects. now. The other key element about being a junior is it, it's it's all about the marketing. And if you're have got if you operating exploration projects with commodities that people understand, um, then you're already ahead of the gate. So gold is, is a given. Uh, people tend to watch the news every evening. Um, most people, probably in Western Australia, could give you a rough idea of what the gold price is. Um, so sticking with tried and tested and well-understood commodities, So that, you know, when you were going to do your presentation to the brokers or potential investors, you're not having to put up pictures that reflect what your particular commodity is used for. Mm. So, again, it was keeping it a very, very, as low risk as possible and to make the investment proposition uh, as simple as possible for those potential investors. So for us, those were really the the, the key elements. Um, And in terms of the projects themselves, trying to find projects in well-known areas, areas with a great pedigree, with a good pedigree of exploration and a a good production pedigree. And so that really steered us. So we we looked at a number of opportunities, but those that were well located and and were credible were were quite important. So so the Pilbara for us was great. Kew in the Murchison was fantastic. And and Laverton and the Northern Goldfields, areas that people knew that understood um, and had a great history.
1: Mm. Now, people tell us that um, life for junior explorers uh, is tough than ev- uh, tougher than ever, and others say it is, but there are exceptions. Uh, what do you see as those uh, exceptions are, and... Uh, is the company involved in some of those uh, exceptions? It's certainly a challenging
0: time. I think if you if you're a producer at the moment, it's great uh, cash flow. That's wonderful. If you're an explorer at the moment and you're building resource ounces, uh, then you know I think you are considered differently by the market. We're still, yeah, we still haven't we haven't been listed twelve months yet, and so we're still very much a, a grassroots explorer, and so it does make it a little bit more difficult to get that traction but ultimately if you drill a credible intersection and you believe that it's got the potential you know to prove up some sort of economic resource then that that materially changes how you are viewed and and for us uh, that would materially change how we promote the company mm. so it's all about that credibility and and for us it's about And a lot of people will say it, but directing as much of the of the treasury into the ground as possible. So living living humbly, um, certainly the exploration, the the process of listing the company was it's not for the faint hearted. I mean, uh, if you don't like a dynamic environment, you simply shouldn't be operating in this particular space every day. There are different and new challenges. But, you know, it's about that next Intercept and something that's really exciting that you can then dedicate your team and your resources to. You could go back out to the market. You can articulate the fact that you've got something real incredible and credible, uh, and and that you know that that enthuses people. You can raise more money and you can really go for it. So it's um that element of differentiation, it's just about that next drill hole and, um, and something that's credible. And, and we'll only champion something if we think that, uh, that we've got something that has the potential to be, to be economic. Mm. So the support is there if the results are there, I take it then? Absolutely, you know, and we, we're very lucky that we, we, we had a great broker support uh, and continues to support the company in Hartleys. Uh, we, we probably got involved with Hartleys 18 months before IPO, with a proposition with an idea, and we kept them abreast of of our activities uh, as we as we were bringing projects on. So they were they were fantastic supporters. They don't normally get involved with IPOs as small as Golden States, but I think they recognised the credibility of the ground, the pedigree and the history of the ground, and that I you know that we had a sensible uh, management team in place and a and a, and a good board that would uh, you know hold the executive to account. So, having a, having a key broker behind us and continuing to support our endeavours is superbly important.
1: Mm. Uh, I think we'd agree that uh, Kew in the Murchison is your uh, your flagship project at the moment. Uh, and I, I reckon that uh, the township of Kew would be uh, the sort of place that you would love, given your background. It's
0: a great town. And, you know, like many remote mining towns, the, its fortunes. Ebb and flow with the with the success of the explorers and the, the miners around it, but it but it, but it has a core to it, and it's a beautiful town. Some some wonderful old buildings there, and and it gives us a great base. It's you know it's great to finish up on the exploration rig at, at the end of the day, and uh, you can go home via the pub if you'd like some liquid refreshment. And, uh, you know, if you if you need a copy of the West Australian or a Mars buy, you can get it from the service station. So it's got all the benefits, uh, as well as having um, a great community, some great support from the Shire, certainly in terms of, of mining and exploration. So it's a great, great place to be easy for, easy for people to get there logistically fantastic. And of course, you know, there are a number of explorers and producers in the region having some great success and an evolution of certainly cast now in that particular area. And that's of great interest to us. The fact that um, they've they got a couple of JVs in the area. So they've obviously decided at a corporate level that this is a region that, that needs significantly greater focus. And they're deploying some significant resources, certainly in terms of their JVs. and uh, And I'm sure... You know, if we continue to operate there, and we've got a we've got a drill program coming up, uh, cutting wire hopefully in the new year. Um, if we get some success there, I'm sure it, I'm sure it would alert them, and um, you know, it'd be great to have a discussion with them at some point about uh, about our ground holding there.
1: Because mm. I think historically, Q was a, a roughly a seven million ounce goldfield, field, a high grade.
0: Correct. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, you, great geology there. I mean, the Great Fingal Mine. What a what a fantastic mine that is. And and obviously Westgold are, are, are back down there uh, mining at uh, at a Big Bell and at Great Fingal. So it's great to see that activity there. There's a mill. Uh, in the district, obviously the Tuckabilla mill that's operated by Westgold. So some fantastic infrastructure there, and it's it's only a case of finding a reasonable amount
1: of gold in terms of resource, and there are plenty of opportunities there to to process it. Uh, so, Mike, you just mentioned that uh, uh, there's a drilling program upcoming at Kew. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about it and uh, what results you've had to date? So at Kew, Barry, we listed
0: on a, on a proposition of, of greenstone under the granite on the northern side of town there. And there's a proliferation of high-grade gold mines in the granite. Very, very unusual geology there. And we drilled some very, very deep holes there down to five, 600 metres Searching for a, a source, a greenstone source um, of these high-grade gold veins within the granite, and and we didn't find those. So initially, it was it was pretty disappointing um, that 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 hypothesis. And we, we had access to seismic data. Yeah, we had a wealth of information, and that's that's exploration. You know, you yeah. can have a great hypothesis, but ultimately uh, the rocks don't don't play the game. But we liked. The Murchison and we continue to like the Murchison so we had an opportunity to acquire some ground off Lafroy mm-hmm. and that gave us access to the Cuttingwara area as well as some ground south of Big Bell so for us that uh, that de-risked queue but it but it also gave us a greater footprint to work within at Cuttingwara a number of historic pits there you know 1.3 million ounces mined And we've got some ground adjacent to that. So that's where we're currently focusing. There's been uh, geophysics uh, has been undertaken within that area, as well as some ground-based programs, geochemistry. So it's really those geochemical signatures and the geophysics that, that are driving this next drill program. So we're expecting to drill probably four and a half thousand meters of air core in that area, uh, just as a reconnaissance uh, process, uh, and then hopefully that'll lead to uh, to further RC drilling later on the year. The great thing about Q is generally we're not affected by the weather, mm-hmm. so even though it's pretty bloody hot in January, uh, we have drilled uh, in that area at that time of year, so we know we can we can do it. Um, so great for us to 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 have a drill program, a new drill program coming up in in the Murchison. And um, you know, off off the back of that, hopefully, as I said, we can we can do some RC drilling and and hopefully prove up some sort of resource.
1: Okay. now up in the Pilbara, that seems to be more uh, early stage reconnaissance exploration. It is. We like that
0: because this was ground that a chap called Graham Hutton picked oh, up the in the mid two thousands. Indeed, indeed, Graham had a Graham had a pretty good track record. You know, he was very very well respected. And the ground was vended into, uh, into a small exploration company. And, and, ulti- and Graham had some particular views on what this ground could deliver. And there was the, 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 the big fascination with iron ore uh, in the Pilbara at that, that particular time. So you know, Graham was interested in you know, tin tantalum, uh, gold and base metals. He really liked that area for those particular commodities. Mm. And, and it was neglected. And ultimately, uh, we had the opportunity to to acquire that ground as part of the float, and one of the main reasons that we liked it was you know, Graham's enthusiasm for that ground, and so we've uh, we've conducted some analysis of historic drill chips. Uh, they've given us um, some confidence about a particular prospect there called the Balayul, uh, nickel, that's what we're chasing there. Uh, we've done a moving loop EM survey that's identified a, a reasonably sized conductor there. And hopefully within the next two weeks, we've got a fixed loop survey going in, give us some greater definition, uh, hopefully as a precursor to some RC drill testing of that particular horizon and that particular conductor. But you know we've, we've got just about 600, just over 600 square kilometers in that area. There are a number of gold and base metal targets to the south of the Ballyeule. So it's a really great area. Its proximity to Port Heddon is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's only 50, 50 60 from Port Heddon. So in terms of, you know, finding something that's a bit more bulky than gold, let's say a nickel or a, some sort of copper occurrence there, mm-hmm. in terms of logistics f- for future, um, that proximity to, to that great port is, uh, is is a real bonus for us, certainly.
1: Right. Now, many, many years ago, Graham of course, was um – Involved in the Pilbara uh, uh, conglomerate gold uh, story, uh, well, the first version of it, anyway. But I, I was just checking that you guys aren't looking for conglomerate gold anywhere in the Pilbara.
0: Not at this stage. No, we're we're focused on on hard rock and the hard rock gold opportunities and uh, and nickel and base metals. You know, however, we, you know, I'm I'm not. Um, I, I sit on the fence with respect to that. So I think we've got something to play out in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the, the melon seed uh, gold that we're, that people are finding up there. And if somebody wants to come and have a look at our ground for, for those opportunities, we can't, we can't be everything and we can't be doing everything. So uh, we, you know, if somebody wanted to come and have a look, we'd, we'd welcome, we'd welcome the opportunity.
1: Right. Now back in uh, the Eastern Goldfields at, uh, in Melbourne, we would call it, Laverton, but I understand over in Perth, they call it Laverton, mm-hmm. um, four mile well. Interesting location, um, uh, a region known for its big deposits. Uh, what are you up to there? Yeah, close to Lancefield. We literally bordered the old
0: Lancefield mine, uh, again, a million plus ounces. And so up there, we've recently had some geochem uh, we've proved up a, a reasonably long 1.6k gold anomaly. Uh, there are a number of other structures and outcropping quartz veins. So the intention there is mid-November to undertake a, another uh, or undertake a reconnaissance uh, air core program over these particular targets. And again, as a precursor to hopefully putting some RC holes into those um, those particular anomaly anomaly zones uh, great area and again logistically easy town nearby we're literally 10 minutes from the center of town so it it, it makes it um, makes it uh, a great proposition for us in terms of its ease of access and our access to to resources from the town itself
1: right okay then well it's an interesting uh, strategy the uh, locations of the uh, projects near infrastructure and um, uh, cities to provide that supporting base so All the best with it and uh, we'll follow with interest. You're welcome Barry, anytime.